Let us sit up straight. If it's helpful, if it's helpful, open up your palms, palms up. Just breathe slowly and deeply in and out. Focus your mind on God. The psalm says, be still. And just know that I'm God. Notice your body. Are you tight? Are you stressed? Are you distracted? Here you go, God. Take it back. Focus me again. focused on God, let's take a moment to just rejoice. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Just maybe ask the Lord to bring to mind, or maybe you have something in your mind that you just bring to mind. That, um, some way that you saw God work. Some way that He provided or cared for you or something that you were particularly grateful for. Just give that to Him in your Heart of hearts or in your under your breath. Be glad in the Lord. And now Petition and intercession. Ask one thing for yourself. One thing that doesn't have to do with your Aunt Tilly's hangnail that she has, but one thing just for yourself that you need help with or need God's grace in. And one thing for someone else. Jesus. Amen. All right. We have covered a lot of ground in the last three weeks. A lot of ground. Um, I kind of, I was going through what I wanted to say tonight, and I feel like this is a book that would be good to read, like, every year. You know, just, just to have that refresher. I feel like I've gotten as much out of it this time through it as I got last year when I read it for the first time, and, um, thought the whole way through, I want to take my parish through this. Um, I feel like I've gotten a lot out of it. And so I'm so glad that you were here and that you continued to, to come back. Um, just this morning, in my own life, I had so I knew I had sort of a anxious, I was anxious about a phone call I had to make. And my impulse was to pray, but to just, just charge in. You know, dear, oh God, I have this thing. And I just remembered, because of this, like, just stop and pause and just focus yourself, focus your breathing, 
rejoice in the Lord, and now ask. And uh, I got to say, like, I felt so much better. Even in the prayer, I felt better. And then it, the phone call went great. So um, uh, the relationship was restored. I was able to stay calm. I was able to care for that person rather than sort of be antagonistic um, or receive any antagonism. I just was calm and just able to treat them with dignity. And, and that was it worked out mutually and, and, and wonderfully. So I hope that this shapes your prayer life as it is shaping mine. Um, we have a lot of ground to cover tonight. Uh, as he says, the last letter of P-R-A-Y, pause, rejoice, act, uh, ask, and yield. Yield. And it's really, it's sort of like, this is the, um, this is like the big, like Santa's sack of prayer. And you know, it's just a whole bunch of stuff in there at the end. And, and it, it doesn't really seem to me that you like need to go through all of these things when you're doing the P-R-A-Y. Uh, if that's, if that's what you, the pattern that you want to do. But he talks about contemplative prayer, listening to God, confession and reconciliation, spiritual warfare, and then adoration. Again, uh, hallowing God's name. Um, amen is, is, is sort of an epilogue. And so I'm going to go through, um, we'll go through contemplative prayer, listening to God, confession, out might touch on spiritual warfare at the end. There's a lot to say about it. Uh, and you can read Amen for yourself, I think. It's just kind of a summary. Contemplation. How to pray without words. He says on page 134, If petition is prayer at its simplest, and intercession is prayer at its most powerful, contemplation is prayer at its deepest. And most personally, transformational. Let me ask you, have you, do you feel like your experience of prayer is personally transformational? Yes. I've got people more spiritual than I am. I can promise you that. Because sometimes I feel like, like I get a lot out of reading uh, the Bible. I get a lot out of worship. But prayer is, I just always find it hard. And I think maybe one of the reasons is because it's not been, uh, I've not been done a lot of sort of contemplation, just rejoicing in the presence of God. I'm learning. I'm learning to do that. Uh, not that it doesn't transform things, or even that I haven't matured over the years in my uh, ability or willingness to pray, but I've, I've said many times, I'm just not a great prayer, and I think that, um, that maybe this is why, because I haven't just spent time in adoration uh, like this. So I'm glad that you have feel that. Um, so just being in the presence of God, soaking, uh, rejoicing, uh, a loving attentiveness, more feeling than talk. Some of the ways he describes contemplative prayer. How does that resonate with you? It's hard. It's hard. What's hard about it? I mean, I agree, but what's hard about it? Well, because we're so used to putting words to anything. Yeah. How do you feel? You know, you don't just, you have to say something. 
feel the silence. Yeah, you got to feel the silence. Like I'm just sitting, just I mean, not so much with Amy, but like with the kids, and we're just sitting there, like we're looking at our phones. You know, it's not there's not just this sort of, you know, you feel like you got to be talking or not together, you know, or something, you know, maybe watching TV. Distractions. Distractions, yeah, distractions make it hard. Yeah, you feel like we got to fill the silence with something. Um. This idea of more feeling than talk kind of weirds me out uh, because I am, uh, I mean, I'm just so trained, so conditioned to not trust um, my own heart. And I, that sounds terrible to say it like that. But what, what I mean is that it's, it's sinful and it's, it needs redemption. That, I, don't, I don't mean that, that's, I mean, I hear that it sounds bad when I say I, I don't trust my own heart. I but at the same time, like I think our impulses, we need to we need to weigh our impulses against scripture. Um, we need to we go off. So I I think that um, it's I guess what I'm trying to say is it's a step for me. It's a step, and it may be a step for you or maybe not. Uh, but he does say on page one thirty five, we do need to remain discerning, and so I think that's an important caveat. We do need to remain discerning, biblical, and radically focused on Jesus when we pray in this way. But it is the Bible that teaches us to do it. And so again, I appreciate this uh, corrective and instruction. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. It does not mean continually giving God, a, you know, adding to God's to-do list. Continually uh, giving, talking, talking, talking incessantly to God. No, it's, it's got to be communion. Right with God, uh, Revelation one ten, John says, "I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day." He was in contemplation. That's when he got the revelation. Uh, Psalm one nineteen fifteen, "I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your way." So, focus meditation on the laws of God, and countless, countless other passages in Scripture that talk about contemplation or meditation. How are we not just? How are we not discerning by being in in prayer? How are we not discerning by being in prayer? Because, um, I, I mean, I would just as a personal example, um, I have, I feel like in there's one time when we were buying our first house, I prayed and prayed and prayed about whether or not to buy that house, and I bought the house, but I really wanted the house because I really wanted a fence with a backyard so I could have a golden retriever. That's what I really wanted. And it really didn't turn out like it would have been better financially had we not bought the house. And so was it was it God's will or did I just kind of pray my, like, was I open to listening? I, I mean, I don't really have an answer for that except that I think this is part of why I don't trust my heart. We, I am able to tell God what I want and then assume that he wants that. I, I'm, I'm capable of that. And so just the fact that I'm in prayer, to me, is not in itself discerning. Okay. Um, have you... Now, that doesn't mean it can't be, or that it doesn't come with... I don't mean to scare anybody off. It doesn't mean it can't, can't come with maturity and practice. And, and I think for me, maybe I, it ought to. Yes? I would say discerning is just caution, attention, you know, care. You know, it's not... Don't do it. It's just make sure you're doing right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have you experienced prayer like this as 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 presence? 
prayer as presence. Just, yeah. Do you, would anybody want to share about that or care to share their experience with that? You mean the presence of God? Or what do you mean? I mean prayer as presence, not talking, just presence. Just quietness, contemplation, oh, like he's talking about. I yeah, Lenora. I, I do that a lot. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, just a totally different from this experience... I did a lot of meditation at work, and they taught us how to do that, and I never really thought about it too much in relation to prayer. But you can just sit there and listen. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a practice that you have to really work on just to sit there and quietly listen. You can't do it automatically. Right. So, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not up here as the teacher teaching you how to do this. I'm, right. I'm saying that I'm, I'm, I, I'm really interested in this. Uh, but, yeah, the presence, of course, I feel like when I'm in prayer, I feel like God is present. Although I don't always feel it, I believe it. Right. And so, um, he's kind of talking, that's why more feeling than, than thinking kind of in what I'm used to. So that's, that's all I'm saying. You can kind of feel presence. You can. And I have. And I, and I want more. Um, so that's good. Um, I, have, I have an experience. Yes, tell me. I was leaving to go somewhere, and I was kind of in a hurry, and a hawk, we have a hawk in the neighborhood, and it came and flew right on my mailbox. I was literally like 15 feet from him. took my car in park because nature and animals really speak to me. And so I just took the time to enjoy that and forget about my, you know, my angst about being late or being somewhere. And so, and I was thanking God for providing that experience for me and the fact that I was actually able to appreciate it. So. Yeah, I think that's really great. Um, if you, I don't know if y'all could hear online, Susie was talking about an experience she had in nature uh, that sort of interrupted. She was in a hurry, but just took a minute to enjoy it. Um, and I just, I mean, I think that's, that's an attentiveness to God that is, it, it, it can be wordless. It just is a just a, a presence. I think that's really. I, I think that is really good. And I'm. Le- I feel like I'm learning that. Page one forty two. He says, "It's kind of a longer paragraph, but he says this. Let me say this as clearly as I possibly can. Your soul is crying out for a deeper encounter with Christ. And if your faith is to thrive for years to come, if it is to survive seasons of darkness and pain." If you are to know and be known by Jesus in a richer, more fulfilling way, if you are to continue engaging with him when words no longer have meaning, if you are to become the loving person he wants you to be and see the world the way he sees it, you must make space in your busy life for regular meditation, contemplation, and communion with God. And I would just add to that, and not just come charging in with your to-do list. Right. And, and I think that's important. Um, I think it is important that God doesn't end up just looking like us all the time. You know, that's, what, that's a lack of discernment. If you, know, he, if you find that God agrees with you on everything, um, then we probably, we probably need to talk about discernment. But if you are f- formed in His image, 
then I think we're moving. He, he, Pete says, show up, shut up, look up. And I like that as a simple way to um, think of contemplation. Just carving out space. And I, I mean, there's all sorts of scientific studies that talk about how good meditation is and just sort of quieting your mind. Like I try to talk to my kids who are on TikTok all, you know, wake up before they're out of the bed on TikTok. Don't judge. And um, me as a parent, I mean. Um, and um, it's, I would never say that out loud. Um, and the, um, and I, we talk, I mean, we were talking about like it's crowding out your soul, not just taking up your, your thoughts, but it's just crowding out your soul to have time to pray. Um, which, you know, a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old may not exactly land, but uh, is true nonetheless. So learning, training ourselves to show up and to shut up, be still and know that I'm God, and look up. All right. So I encourage you, I, I really want to spend time on listening, but I encourage you, uh, to spend some time learning contemplative prayer in this model. And it may be, I would be so open to starting a group here that does contemplative prayer. I probably, as you can discern, uh, am probably not the person to lead it. But I bet we got somebody in our midst that could help. I mean, I could probably help, but I'd rather have somebody who's trained it. But we'll, let's, if you're interested in that, let's, let's figure that out. Any anything else to say about contemplative prayer? You can do it anywhere. Yeah, most. You can do contemplative prayer anywhere, anytime. Um, two weeks ago, I did child prayer for the first time in many, many years. And when you're in the congregation, me anyway, you listen to the prayer, the liturgy, and you follow along the book. But when I was up there at the altar, it was completely different. I felt like I was praying to a different tune. I was my own temple prayer. I felt like I was in the room of the Last Supper. It was just, it was a close moment. Hmm. The same thing was past Sunday. Moe said that, that praying at the altar, uh, being uh, serving serving at the altar, was a different experience of prayer. It's a really community. He, said, he started by saying you can do Contemplative prayer anytime, anywhere. I kind of did it today on the my drive across the river. I had to get an appointment across the river, and um, and I'm just thinking about my sermon and just kind of soaking in the Transfiguration passage. And I feel like I got an outline, which is great. It's about three days before I usually do. So, um, Father, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. Do we know whether um, Jesus, you know, how he used to go away? several places to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if he did come. Do we know how he prayed? Well, do we know that he did come? We don't. Uh, the question is, did, did um, Emily's asking is, did Jesus do contemplative prayer? And we don't know because it doesn't say, but the, I would have to say the assumption is when he's praying all night, it's not just him talking. It's communion. It's adoration. It's presence. Yeah. It's re- replenishment. 
And, and wouldn't it be, there's so many things in the kingdom that are totally upside down, right? I mean, that, that life comes after death, goodness comes after loss, there's um, uh, the first shall be last, the poor shall be rich, there's, I mean, everything is upside down. Wouldn't it be just like God to say, your total transformation comes from being with me without words, not from your brilliance, but just from sitting and not from acting? Now, do you need to... You know, we do we need to do things for the Lord? Of course we do. That's part of our discipleship. But where did the transformation come? I think I think I, I want to know more about this and being contemplative in this way. In some ways, my journaling is that way. Um, but I'm, it's it's more. I mean, I, I think he would call that more meditation because it's me and God, and he talks about the transition from me and God to God and me and then just God. All right, well, let's talk about listening. How to Hear God. He actually has a book called How to Hear God. Uh, Elaine, have you read that book? Is it Not yet. I wonder if it is just this chapter sort of yeah, yeah, re- redone. Because um, sometimes authors do that. You know. um, all right, so listening, How to Hear God. John 10, 27, uh, my... My sheep hear my voice. Jesus, the great, good, the good shepherd passage, famous passage. My sheep hear my voice. Hebrews one, not uh, Hebrews chapter one. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. So, which is to say, both these things are that God is a God who speaks. And if God is a God who speaks, surely He has given us the capacity to listen. And to hear from him. But I think this is the age-old conundrum, right? How can I uh, know or trust a God that I can't see or touch or hear? Um, I've heard lots of people say, I, I could trust God if I could just get a neon sign, or if I could just have a sign, you know, a sign from above, or if I could just hear from him. And here what we're saying is you can. You can learn to hear. Anybody can. And I would say rarely, um, rarely, it could be audible. Has anybody heard an audible, the audible voice of God in a way that you want to share? You might not want to share. Deacon Beth talks about it. She heard the voice of God. She's sitting on the hill at Iona in Ireland, and God said, go be a deacon, like in his booming voice. I want to know what that sounds like. I have not heard an audible voice. And I think that's completely normal. Uh, I think that, you know, that's a, what, a, what a favorite thing she received. Um, but I think you can discern from his writing, that from Pete's writing, it's not always conversational, but it's more like observational. Right? Like, like the time he was in the Chicago airport and he heard his, he was like, well, well Lord, I'm, de- I'm delayed. What do you want me to do with this time? That's a, there's a serious attentiveness that just is already there that he's trained himself for. And just kind of flitting, he has this name come through his head. He's not in Chicago. He's in Milwaukee or whatever, 150 miles away. And he says, I'll just shoot him an email. And that guy had been like five minutes before said, I want Pete on my couch. That's crazy. Um, but he was attentive 
He was not, it wasn't a voice, it was just kind of a flitting thought, and yet, obviously, God was at work. And so, you know, is that God speaking? I'm not sure. He's acting. It's, he's, it's, um, it's observational. It's observational. Um, and it was, he tested it, and then found out it was God working. He wasn't, it wasn't the audible voice, it wasn't like this conviction. He just said, oh, I'll, I'll give I don't remember his name. Bob. I don't give. I'll give Bob a call. And Bob needed him. So he gives five good ways that God speaks. Number one, he speaks in the Bible. Number two, he speaks in dreams and visions. Number three, he speaks in counsel, godly counsel, and common sense. In personal reflection, number four, and in action. Interestingly, we're going to go through each one of those. Interestingly, he does not say in prayer. And I thought that was kind of funny. Why would he not say? Because I feel like if I hear God's voice, it's a thought that comes asking God, what do you think about this, God? And, he, and that's the thought that comes. But then again, is it my thought? That's what we have to figure out. I think we can be sort of, you know, cautiously and wisely attentive to the words and thoughts that come to mind in prayer. In fact, that's how I came to believe that God had chosen Amy to be my wife. And that's how I discerned a call to vocational ministry. I felt like I heard from the Lord. And I was actually remarking last summer with a friend that I don't hear like that as much anymore. And this particular friend thought that was a good that was probably a good thing. That was a, that was maybe maturity. But I wonder. I wonder. All right. So, I'd love to know how you hear. We're going to go through these first. Um, and I would love to know which one, re- you know, it, wh- how you hear from God. First, he talks about, we hear from God in the Bible. He says on page 156, that the Bible is our primary source of revelation and the ultimate authority by which we weigh all other words may not be surprising to you if you know me, that this, is the, this was this little section that I'm the most comfortable with and all that he said. Uh, this and confession. I'm super comfortable with that. Um, who has 2 Timothy? I do. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Go. All scripture is inspired by God. God breathed and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So all Scripture is inspired by God. The word inspiration like, is to put, to in, in spirit, is to put the spirit in, inspire. God breathed is the actual word. All Scripture is breathed by God. And is profitable... Uh, for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, Paul is, of course, talking about the Old Testament. He probably had no idea that his letter would become the New Testament. But he says the Bible is inspired. It is God's Word. It is breathed so by God so we can know Him. So we can know His will. If you have a vo- If you hear a voice... If you have a vision, if you 
get a thought that you think is prophetic and it does not line up with Scripture, don't follow it. Don't follow it. I want you to notice the progression from uh, that he talks about. It is use, useful or profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. And you can imagine, like, we're teaching, so now we find out about it. Then we're convicted about it, so that's the rebuke. And then we turn around and go the other way, and that's correction. And then while well, we're heading in the right direction, that's training in righteousness. There's, there's not four independent things. I think there's very much a, a uh, progression. We, we can hardly be faulted for going the wrong direction if we hadn't been taught. And so we need to be taught. And with teaching, with hearing, with reading the Scriptures, um, comes rebuke. But it's, it does not, that sounds bad to us, but it, means, it just means it's a, a loving rebuke or it's a, um, a, a spirit of conviction. Oh, I'm going the wrong direction. So I need to correct that and go the right direction. And now I'm headed in the right direction. And I'm learning to walk uh, in that way. Uh, For instance, if I'm weirded out by contemplative prayer, I need to be taught about it. I need to be convicted about it. I need to learn how to do it and correct it. And then I need to be trained in it. So, um, or I need to be convinced, I should say. I need to realize that it's a good thing. I need to... Um, learn how to do it the right way, and then uh, move forward. So that's, that's what, what we're talking about. It's much more convincing to me to see how he's put it out for contemplative prayer that it's in Scripture. In other words, I'm convinced of it because it's in Scripture. And so for me, that, is, that is, makes me want to learn more about it. Um, who has Hebrews 4.12? Yes, okay. For the word of God is a li- is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He There's a phrase that Pete has talking about this particular verse that, that as we read the Bible, the Bible is reading us. It's kind of a poetic way to say that uh, we ought to be challenged. I mean, it would be pretty bad if you were in a marriage with someone who agreed with you all the time. I feel like that's kind of boring, right? It's actually in the disagreement that you're shaped into who you are. It's not maybe the most fun part, but if you had a God that just agreed with you on everything, what kind of God is that? Why would you need it? Like, you have a God that actually loves you enough to, to have a little rebuke, have a little disagreement, and yet it is ours to align ourselves with Him. The test. So we've read 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Hebrews 4, 12, the Word of God is living and active. It's sharp. It goes, it penetrates to our hearts and soul. The, the, this is the testimony of the Bible about itself. And I think it is, um, it lines up perfectly with our experience of it. Right? Let me think about if you have a familiar passage, and all, but you're going through something, you read it again, and it just speaks to you in a way it's never spoken before. So many people have had that sort of um, experience. Or when we don't like something it says, and we have to deal with it and conform to it. When we read a psalm and we just feel understood, right? The Bible is, in fact, living and active. Um, 
I was at a church one time where there was a guy on staff who was really uncomfortable throwing away any bulletins. All the old bulletins from every Sunday, he was really com- uncomfortable throwing away because it had scripture on it. And we had to have some talk about it. I mean, he was like, I don't really know what to do with all this stuff. It's piling up, you know, but it's, I don't want to throw away the Word of God. And, and we had to say, like, it's just, it's just paper and ink. The Word of God is living and active. It articulates it for us, but it is even independent of what's written on the page. You know, this, is, this is a book. It articulates the Word of God. That makes sense. The Word of God is living uh, and active. Um, and so you can come to it. When you read the Bible, you can come expectantly uh, and, and expecting to, get, to hear a word from the Lord. A lot of times... I'm reading, and it's nothing like earth-shattering. But I do. I am always encouraged. But sometimes it is earth-shattering uh, for me. I can remember a time where um, I was working for the YMCA. It was before seminary. And I had this dinky little job uh, at the YMCA. Uh, I had my sweet Wake Forest degree and worked, made like $9 an hour at the YMCA. And that's another story. But... Um, I really wanted, I was, they had kind of tapped me as, as you need to start applying for director jobs, um, program director jobs. And there was one that I thought was really great, uh, but it was going to be mostly nights and weekends, which sounds fine for somebody, um, except that I was married to someone who worked uh, everything but nights and weekends. And so... It sounded like a really fun job, a lot of like travel with uh, youth. It was like a, it was almost like a youth director job, but just with the YMCA. And I really thought that I would get that job, and I really wanted the affirmation of the promotion, and I thought I'd be good at it. But I really wanted to pray about it, and so I decided to just um, read scripture, and I was sort of led to Ecclesiastes of all things. And was just reading, trying to say, okay, Lord, and I think I just read a book about praying scripture. And I um, was like, okay, Lord, I want you to, I'm just asking you to speak. Because Amy, we were still newlyweds at this point. It's way before kids. And I got to a, a line, I think it was ver- uh, chapter nine. And it said, enjoy life with your wife. <laughs> and I kept reading and then I was like, I had to go back. I was like, that's it. That's the thing I'm supposed to hear. And so I called him the next day and said, I'm, I'm taking my name out of consideration. And Amy was like, I didn't want to say anything, but I'm so glad I did not want you to do this. I mean, Scripture can really speak to you. So any, anybody have a, a time that they've heard from the Lord in Scripture? Do you want to quickly share I've certainly, if I have a question of God, if I need a sermon and I need to make a decision on something, I've certainly just opened the Bible to a random page and the answer is always there. Hmm. Dude, me too. I was going to say it, but yeah, <laughs> it's me too. Yeah, it works. Yeah, so I, would, I think that's fantastic and, and I encourage you to keep doing it and don't you know, just let's be careful about not using the Bible like a magic eight ball. Magic eight ball. But 
you're right. And I would say, like, isn't that funny? Because I would say, like, God, I would say, well, I'm not sure that's the best, like, tactic. And then God is, like, way more gracious than I am and says, I'll meet you where you are and give you what you need in the way that you come to me. So that's, that's great. So I don't mean to be antagonistic about that. All right, so hearing God in Scripture. Then he says, hearing God in dreams and visions. <laughs> and I was like, really, number two, Pete? Come on, man. I've never heard God in a dream. I'm not saying it can't happen. I've never heard God in a dream. I've had a few vivid dreams, but I just have weird dreams, and I wouldn't trust my dreams for anything. So, um, and I'm not really one who prays and gets visions, but there are certainly people that I trust that do. Now, you always want to test them against Scripture. But actually, I'll give you an example. There, um, at the Church of the Advent, where I was before uh, coming here, there's this wonderful prayer ministry. It's this big, like, downtown, kind of stuffy, dry-clean church. And they have this, like, charismatic prayer ministry in this other house down, down the road. And, um, and it's, I loved it. I would go, and they would pray for me if I was going through tough stuff. But I was discerning this call. And one of my friends, who was one of the, he would always, was always on the team that prayed for me. Um, his name was Todd, Todd Liscombe. And he's, he got visions all the time. He gets visions all the time. And he said, I just see like, all right, because I was getting ready to come down here for my visit. And he said, I, I see this like, it's kind of a, like a dark room. Like it's kind of a long, it's dark room. And there's a cross at the end and it's, but there's light just coming in and kind of changes. Like it's kind of dark, darker light here and kind of gets lighter as you go towards the cross. And I came from my visit, and I walked in the church, and I was like, oh, I took a picture of it, and I said, he's like, this? He's like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. I was like, okay, I guess I'll say yes. You know, so, um, I mean, that was really important. Uh, there's been times where I've, uh, in that same uh, prayer ministry and other things, but particularly that one, uh, I mean, visions of, you know, release, um, just really kind things, and a couple times visions that I just never understood, and that's okay. They have a. I remember what, them telling me one time a story of, because like there's the people in in the room praying with you, and there's three or four people upstairs also praying. All they know is the person's name. They don't have anything that's going on. They're just praying. So they're going through hymns, or they're going through scripture, or they're journaling, or whatever. This so one lady came down. So what happens is at, at the end of that, they, they come down and say, here's what I heard. They, and again, they don't know anything. They hadn't been in the conversation. This one lady says, I, I mean, I usually get a lot of good stuff, but I just, I don't have anything. Like, I, I just, the only thing I've got is this, like, I just kept seeing a red balloon. Uh, and, and the person, like, breaks down weeping because, I don't know, their dad and a red balloon when they were babies, or I don't know. But it was just, like, this amazing thing that brought everything together. It was this red, this vision of this red balloon. So, I do think God speaks in that. I do think it's a particular gifting. And, um, and it's awesome to ask for that. And it's fine if you don't have it. May I share a dream? Yes, you may. Two dreams. One when I was early on in my faith, you know, just it wasn't very deep. I dreamed that it was the end of the world. 
and all I remember was a lot of water, snakes everywhere, snakes, and I was scared to death and really frightened, and all I wanted to do was find my mother and daddy. Mm. I, I might have been, I can't tell you what age I was, probably in college. Years later, when my faith had grown and I was more into the church and all you might say, I had another dream. And I was in the grocery store. And I walked out of the grocery store and everybody all around is in a panic. They're running and screaming. And I looked up and the sky was parting and there was Jesus. Huh. And I had the most peaceful feeling. And I turned around and I said, don't be afraid, there's Jesus. This is, this is the end, you know. Mm -hmm. Jesus is here. And then I woke up. Yeah. So, very powerful. Yeah, very powerful. Very powerful. I mean, like, I, I'm not trying to discount it. I would say it's... Yeah, it's, but it was a dream. I mean, it's a dream. Yeah. And again, you want to weigh those things against Scripture, but I mean, it's... Lo, he comes in clouds descending. I mean, you know, that's, that seems like it lines up pretty good. So, um, Hearing God in counsel and common sense, he says, it is no less spiritual to seek godly counsel than to receive a supernatural dream or an angelic visitation. And it may be far more helpful, and that just ministered to my soul. Um, I mean, it only makes sense to talk to wise friends who love you and have your best interests at heart. When you got some big thing, don't go alone. Uh, don't take your own counsel. I, men and women that I have known and loved who decided that they would take their own counsel rather than listen to the voices that were, and sometimes pleading with them, they're going to get in trouble. It only makes sense to talk to wise friends uh, who love you and have your best interests at heart. Do not talk uh, to friends who are just going to tell you what you want to hear. I mean, they're good. They're good friends. I mean, they're fun. You know, like, and they're good to have around, but not for discernment. If you're if you're struggling with something, so uh, talk to people you trust. Their truthfulness, you trust their wisdom. Uh, I was. Um, I don't want to say this. I, there was a, a time a few years ago where I had a big decision to make. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I called my dad. And dad, I happened to be going to D.C. for something with work. And dad flew to D.C. And... I had did the work thing, and we sat in my hotel room for like five hours and went through this discernment together. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I'll probably cry just saying the words out loud, but when Dad, like, we came to a conclusion, and Dad, like, laid his hands on me and prayed over me. This is, like, fatherly blessing. This is not something that we'd, like, do all the time. It was just so powerful. Um, it was so powerful. So... It is very, very good to talk to uh, friends and have wise counsel. I mean, some people come and talk to me for things like that, um, that you can decide whether or not you think that's very discerning, but um, it's a, um, you know, but you just wanted someone who has some, who can speak into your life. 
Um, I mean, I have, I have a group of, a wide group of friends. I have a small group, like accountability group. I'm a therapist. I mean, my dad, like there's just wise counsel, very, very, and common sense. Like, I mean, just does it make sense? If it doesn't make sense, like then you need to be real careful. Hearing God in personal reflection. Um, I think what he's doing is describing he such an attentiveness to the will and the action of God that is so common to Pete that um, uh, due to his life of contemplation, he's kind of just noticed that answers sometimes come when he's not really asking. You know, and that's just answers to prayer. Uh, but I, I do like, so I didn't really get personal reflection because a lot of times they, he wasn't actually in personal reflection. He was vacuuming or whatever. So I do like his litmus test. If I have a, a, some personal reflection time and I come up with a, a thought, is this like Jesus? That's a good litmus test. I read just about Jesus in Scripture. Is this, is what I think I'm going to do, is that the sort of thing that Jesus would do? That's a, good, that's a good litmus test. And what's the worst that could happen if I get this wrong? I kind of feel a nudge to give that guy on the corner five bucks. Well, I don't really tend to give those people money because I think they might misuse it. But I kind of feel this nudge. I'm going to give him five bucks. What's the worst that's going to happen? I'm out five bucks and he goes and buys beer. Okay, no big deal. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm not really out. Or I feel like God is calling me to move to Saudi Arabia as a missionary. Well, you, you want, that's, what's the worst that could go wrong? Well, I could meet Jesus a lot quicker than I thought I would. So, you know, <laughs> You want to discern. That's when you want to back up and get some wise counsel and, and things. So if it's a big thing, back up a little bit. Is it like Jesus and what's the worst that could happen? And then hearing God in action. And, and what, what I think he's, what he's describing really is obedience. Like experiencing the voice of God through obeying God. And that is a really wonderful thing. And I think when you go, when you do what Scripture says, or you do what you think God wants you to do, uh, and it lines up with Scripture, um, or wise counsel and all of that, then you're going to see God work. He talks about this this story that is fantastic, but so fantastic as to all. You just think it's it's a little absurd. The guy goes to Oklahoma City, doesn't know where he's going, who he's looking for, pulls up, and they, they're like, oh, yeah, she's right over there. Like, so I believe it. I think it's a true story. But I, 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 I think you should be careful when you're like, I'm just going to start driving, and I'm, if I feel the Spirit move me to the right, I'm going to go to the right. I think, I mean, I've heard stories like that, and I believe them. I just think you should be careful. Now, if you feel like that's what God's... Then you do, what's the worst that could happen? Is it like Jesus? Like, well, I could probably just end up at this, you know, in that case, in church service, they could say, no, I don't know. I heard about a, um, a guy who was like, had just come to the grocery store and he was passing this sort of neighborhood and he felt like the Lord said, turn in here and, and give your milk away. And he was like, that's ridiculous. And he just kept driving. And then he was, the Lord was like, no, turn in here and give your milk away. And now he's like three blocks down. And he was like, I, I, and now he's like six blocks down. And finally, he's like, okay, I'm turning in. 
So he's blocks away from where he initially heard it. He pulls up and God says, pull in here and go to this house. And he's like, this is the dumb, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get arrested. This is crazy. Knocks on the door. He's got a gallon of milk in his hand. Knocks on the door. And I don't know, maybe more grocery too. He's like, this distraught mother answers the door. He's like, I know this is crazy, but I feel like God wants me to give you this milk. And she like, of course, bursts out crying because, you know, if he'd answered, if he'd heard it over there six blocks before, it would have been the wrong house. You know, like God just knew him and knew, anyway, I don't know. Is it bad to follow the inclination? What's the worst that's going to happen? Is this something Jesus would do? What's the worst that's going to happen? Um, so, let me ask you to, oh, I will say this. So I don't really, I hadn't done a lot of like driving around listening to God go, tell me to go right or left. But I have been in many cases where I did not want to forgive someone. But I felt like it was my Christian duty to forgive them. And so I was obedient to be in a relationship and I almost always it is filled with grace. So if you are obedient to the Lord, you will see God work in action. And I've seen, in those cases, relationships restored. So, table question. Each, I want you to ask, so most of you are going to have to find a group. Either, what is one time you feel like you've heard from God, or, why is it hard to hear from God? Or what? Why is it hard to hear from God? Okay. Okay, so, if you don't really feel like you've heard from God, and that's fine, um, why is it hard to hear from God? I would suggest that you all come to this table so you have, um, because you all are all best friends, and that way you get, you already know each other's answers, so if you all get together, then you some that. That's fine. So, four, when everybody gets, the most you get is four minutes because you have four people at the table at the most. So, either what is one time you feel like you've heard from God, or why is it hard to hear from God? Everybody gets a minute. Go. I'm going to put you on.